Hey everyone, welcome back to my podcast. This is not about your body. I am Jesse Nealon, and today I want to talk through something that is really not discussed nearly enough in the mainstream conversation around body image and body neutrality and body positivity in any of those spaces. And that is basically that the the sort of number one tool that you'll see being used for people who are trying to overcome body image issues is a re-education of sorts. So typically this is like learning about diet culture, for example, and learning about how it sucks and is bullshit and is based on a bunch of bad science. And, you know, that we learn about beauty ideals and how that's bullshit. And you start to push back against the idea that, um, you know, you have to look a certain way in order to be worthy of respect in this world. And so it, there's a lot of like re-education work, which is why this is so popular on social media. It's a movement on social media based on a sort of reinformation, you know, like you learn a new way to hold the thoughts and ideas that you have around bodies, around food, around weight, around beauty, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, maybe you learn about fat phobia and you learn about intuitive eating and all of this is really helpful. I do this with clients all the time. Reeducation is really helpful. But for most people, it's not going to actually be enough to do what they're looking to do, which is to feel more body neutral, to feel better in their bodies, to stop uh, feeling anxious about their bodies or obsessed with their bodies or, you know, hateful towards their bodies. Like it has power to do a reeducation practice, to expose yourself to people in different bodies, to learn why, um, you know, diets fail. And we can trust ourselves and everybody has a different set point for weight and body diversity is thing. All these things are helpful. But most people I talk to who have been doing this for a while, they don't report feeling a ton better. They just report thinking like, what the hell is going on? You know, now I believe that this is all bullshit. And yet I still find myself hating my body or feeling anxious or obsessed about my body or, you know, sort of body checking all day. What is going on? So in some ways, it actually leads to more confusion and conflict and frustration for people because they do this re-education work. They unpack the whole thing. They're like, I don't believe in diet culture, and yet I still hate my love handles or whatever, right? Like, I don't believe in diet culture, but I still want to lose a couple pounds. Or I don't believe that a person's body shape or size means a damn thing about them. And yet when I look in the mirror, I'm like, ugh, I wish I had a different body shape or size. Like there's this big conflict that happens when you've done re-education work and that's it. And the reason for this is because there's really two different levels going on. And I'm writing about this in my book right now um, because it's absolutely crucial that we understand there's two completely different things going on when it comes to most people who are really suffering from body image issues. The the top one, I call it the top level just because it's like easier to sort of imagine this way. Top level is the way you think. You know, top level is your beliefs, your thoughts about bodies and, you know, weight and diet and exercise and food and all these things. That's where that stuff lives. Like it is the world we grow up in 
with beauty and body ideals and this whole hierarchy of social status based on how a person looks, it is informed by sexism and racism and ableism and ageism. And that is the, the top level of body image issues. And that's what most people are dealing with, especially on social media, but really in a lot of different spaces that you find uh, people trying to feel more comfortable in their bodies. That's what they're dealing with. The problem is there is also another level, and I call this the bottom level just because is sort of how it feels, <laughs> is there is a deeper level, and that is the source of your suffering. And in some ways, these two levels don't have anything to do with each other. Because the source of your suffering is not about bodies. It is not about food. It is not about weight. It is not about beauty. It is not about any of those things that live and exist in the top level. The source of your suffering is deeply rooted in the experience of being a human person with human needs and human emotions. So basically what happens is there is some source of pain that goes on. And a lot of times this pain is the result of unmet emotional needs, which is something I talk about a lot. So let's say you have an unmet need for connection and belonging. I don't know why you, you grew up a certain way or you had certain experiences or you had certain traumas or whatever it is. You have learned that you don't really belong and people won't really offer you genuine intimate connection that you crave. So it's always sort of scarce. That hurts. It's an incredibly uncomfortable experience. And it should be said here, I call these emotional needs because you literally cannot thrive without them. You can survive without connection, but honestly, like the mortality rate for people who are in isolation is totally different than people who are who are well connected. So, we're actually not really looking at you can survive the same length of time or in the same health, which to me says this is an emotional need, right? We need connection. Which is to say, if you need connection and you are not getting your needs for connection met, you are suffering. You might be suffering physically because it's stressful on the body when we are in that kind of discomfort and we're not getting our needs met, just like it's stressful on the body when you don't eat enough or drink enough water or whatever. So this is a need that we have that when it goes unmet, we are put into some kind of discomfort or pain or suffering. So if you have that situation going on, then that pain or suffering needs to go somewhere. It needs to be expressed somehow. It needs to be made sense of on some level. And that's where that upper level comes in. Because the upper level is your mind being like, oh, cool. Something really hurts. I wonder what it is. Let me go see if I can come up with a story uh, to explain why something hurts. Mm, let's see. Let's see. Um, seems like people don't like me. Why might that be? And then the upper level looks around at the context for the world and it says, well, people don't like people who are, you know, have this kind of body and that's the kind of body I have. So I guess probably that's the issue. The upper level takes the pain, which is a deeply rooted human suffering pain, usually of unmet needs, but it can be other things as well. Just a source of pain somewhere. It takes that pain and it turns it into a story about what you're doing wrong and what you need to change. Basically, it gives it a container. Is it a container with a problem and a solution? 
both of which are your body, typically, if we're talking about body image issues. And that's how it makes sense of it. And most of the time, this is all happening below the level of consciousness. So when I talk to someone, they don't say to me, I have an unmet need for belonging, right? What they say is, I can't stop thinking about how much I hate my body. Like, I can't stop uh, getting triggered and freaking out when I see a picture of me. I can't stop checking uh, or weighing myself or dieting or whatever it is, right? Like, there's, there's a behavior, there's a thought, there's a feeling that they'll describe to me about their bodies. Which shows that there's really very little consciousness most of the time about what's going on underneath. My job with clients is to help them make that bottom level conscious so that we can see what's really going on and deal with the truth. But it should be said that if you fixed the entire upper upper level, you know, like if we changed the world and now we lived in a world with absolutely no diet culture, beauty ideals, racism, sexism, ableism, or ageism, like absolutely none of that existed, it should be said, you would not necessarily be out of pain. Because the pain would probably just find another place to go. The the way that pain looks would probably be expressed differently depending on the context of whatever this new hypothetical world was. So let's say, um, you know, in this hypothetical world, everybody uh, you know, status is built around something else completely. And now that status thing is what, what takes on significance. And maybe that's what you feel insecure about. And that's where your pain goes. So it could be just moved to a totally different topic or area. Um, you know, if, if we kind of look back in history, women didn't always deal with body image issues. If we go back a bit, we can see how maybe a woman might have tied her worth to her ability to like keep a clean house and keep her husband happy and, you know, whatever it was that was sort of statusy um, 70 to 150 years ago, you know, like that there could be a status symbol around something else entirely having nothing to do with the shape or size of her body, everything to do with what was considered being a good person, a good woman, a good whatever at the time. And in our context now, when you think about a good person, a good woman now, it happens to have this context. A superior woman is like an incredibly um, conventionally attractive thin woman. And this is true for all genders. It's that we have this obsession now with super lean bodies and very specific beauty ideals. That's what we think of when we think of like the optimal person, a superior person, a really um, admirable person. So that's what people chase, right? Like that's the container that the suffering takes. And the suffering has to go somewhere. So if we completely overcome the top layer, you know, we dismantle that top level, there's still some shit to deal with. And I see this in clients sometimes where they will do all of this work. And then then they're like, okay, well, why do I still hate my body? The answer is because you haven't dealt with the suffering yet. You haven't dealt with the pain yet. Whatever that is down there. Maybe you feel afraid. Uh, Maybe you feel like it's unsafe to feel your own feelings. Well, you better believe that no amount of learning about diet culture is going to make it feel safer for you to feel your feelings. You know, maybe 
maybe it feels like the only way for you to get your, um, to, for you to feel agency in the world is to control your body. Well, then you better believe no amount of learning about intuitive eating is going to make you feel uh, able to let go of controlling your body because that is your one source, or at least, you know, it's the one source that you feel is accessible to you to restore the emotional need that you have for feeling agency in the world. So whatever the emotional need is, whatever the pain is, whatever the suffering is, that's what rises upward and then gets shaped by the container of the social context that we all live in. It gets shaped by the conditioning, gets shaped by the culture. But the pain, honestly, is pretty freaking universal. You know, like everyone throughout all periods of time and all cultures in the world have undoubtedly dealt with a lot of the same themes of being afraid that they won't be able to get their needs for connection met or feeling unworthy or ashamed of something about them that they believe makes it uh, makes them not fit in or belong with their community or their desired community. Um, these are things that we need to thrive. So it makes sense that we would put a lot of stock in them, right? Like we're literally wired to need these things to thrive. So we're also wired with a stress response when they don't get met. And that's where that pain and suffering comes from. So this is something that I, I try to explain to clients and, and tackle separately as much as possible. Not everybody tackles it separately, um, but most people are benefited by looking at it in these two separate levels. Because the, the unpacking of the diet culture and everything is necessary. For most people, it's absolutely necessary. It's just not enough to really get you to a place where you actually feel differently in your body. If you haven't named and faced and dealt with and understood the source of the suffering that led to you needing some kind of container in the first place. Now, there is a book that I want to mention here, not because I necessarily recommend reading it. It's incredibly outdated at this point, um, but it's called Healing Back Pain by John Sarno. And it's this doctor who uh, I think the book was like written in the 80s. He did a bunch of research and it, this it was an amazing book that changed my life. Um, but there's a lot of updated research, I, I think, at this point. I'm not sure how much the book really stands up. Um, but he basically discovered that there are trends in physical symptoms of illness and pain that nobody in the U.S. pretty much had back pain. And then suddenly everybody had back pain and he was sort of researching what the hell's going on with this. What he discovered is there is almost nothing structurally wrong with most people's bodies or backs that no doctors could figure out anything structural to explain this massive spike in people struggling with back pain out of nowhere. And so he was looking at the ways in which uh, I think he called it like repressed uh, anger or or repressed emotion, something like that sort of comes out through a physical symptom one way or the other. And that's how there are trends, right? Like there is, let's say, repressed anger throughout history, but maybe the context, the sort of upper level of, of how that gets expressed through a person's body would have been totally different before. So 
I think he gives the example of ulcers, like right before everyone had back pain, everyone had ulcers, but then somebody invented something and all of a sudden ulcers were curable. It was like, you know, now we have Tums, so nobody has ulcers anymore. Boom. Now everybody has back pain. He was sort of reflecting on this, just showing the way in which something was trying to get out. Basically, it was like people's bodies needed something to be wrong. And he sort of walks through this theory and um, idea that by dealing with the emotional thing, the anger, for example, in his patients, um, they were able to get out of back pain. But he had to convince them first that back pain was not the problem. Like he would show them, he would run all these tests and show them their scans and be like, there's literally nothing structurally wrong with you. There is no reason for you to have this pain except that. Your body obviously thinks you need to be in pain for some reason or another. Let's look at why that might be. Now, I, I apologize if anybody out there knows more about this work than me. I read it a long time ago and I'm, I could totally be butchering it. But what stuck with me from that is how I view body image issues now. That there is a way in which the underlying suffering, the pain, the thing that hurts kind of gets turned into whatever's most convenient culturally. So if you lived in this hypothetical world where there was no body or beauty ideals, it might have turned into something else entirely. Maybe we wouldn't have eating disorders, but we'd have a lot more self-harm behaviors in a totally different way, a lot more cutting or a lot more um, addiction problems, you know? Or maybe it would come out in a physical way. Maybe we would have suddenly everybody would be suffering from a new physical symptom that we don't see as being very popular right now. Like everybody had migraines or everybody had IBS. So it, it, this is to say that there is a certain um, convenience to the way your body will create the symptoms, the expressions of what's hurting. Based on like when you look around, what sort of makes sense? You know, you hear everybody talking about back pain. So it's like a really convenient thing to have. Ah, my back hurts. It's a convenient way for your body to talk to you, to show you that maybe you need to slow down or change something or breathe more deeply or relax or whatever. And likewise, body image issues, they're kind of the same thing. It's just a convenient way because you look around the world and you go, these make sense. You know, given the messages we get about, people's bodies and beauty and weight and everything makes total sense that we find ourselves in a position of being upset about how we look and feeling like it's really, really important that we look different. So great. It's just a convenient way for your mind to express this thing that sucks and hurts. (laughs) And it's a way of talking to you too. It's like, you know, body dysmorphia a lot of times is just your brain being like, hey, something hurts, something's wrong, something's scary. Something feels dangerous. Something's bad. You know, it's just a, it's a little message to you. It's not intended to be an accurate interpretation necessarily. It's intended to show you that something is wrong. And from that place, I think we can kind of see why it is not super effective to learn a bunch of anti-diet culture stuff if the problem really isn't that you're bought into diet culture. The problem is that something deep down really freaking hurt. So this is why I go really deep with my clients. This is why I do body neutrality, the work that I do. Um, It's all about finding the truth. 
And sometimes I'll call it like the deepest, truthiest truth (laughs) because it's true that like you hate your body, right? It's true that you look in the mirror and think you look terrible. That can totally be true, but it's a really superficial version of the truth because what's underneath that might be you feel insecure about who you are as a person or you are afraid that people won't accept you or you won't be able to get your needs for connection met if you don't conform to a certain ideal or standard. And what's underneath that might be you believe you're unworthy of those things because that's what you learned as a child because you were unable to get your needs met at a certain point in your formative history. And that's the thing that drives it. That's the painful thing. Sometimes when someone goes through body neutrality work with me, the end result is that they end up in just as much pain, but about something more true. I mean, ideally, they end up in less pain, but it's not always the case. Because there's a lot of suffering that goes into body image issues, but it's not really a true suffering. You know, it's, you're not really dealing with the thing that hurts. So you kind of can't solve it. Your mind gives you this container. The upper level is like, the problem is your body. Therefore, the solution is your body. Make sure you do all these things to change it. But it doesn't work. And so it's really frustrating. It's very hamster wheely. You know, you just keep trying and trying. You're chasing this endless goal. It's a wild goose chase. Whereas dealing with the thing that really hurts, is still freaking painful. A lot of the times it's just as painful. It's just that it's real and there's peace in knowing that it's real and dealing with the true thing. So if, for example, you feel like you are unable to get your need for love or partnership or intimacy or connection met, and that's the thing that hurts, that's still going to hurt on the other side when you stop believing in the body and beauty ideals. When you stop chasing um, a solution to how you look as if that's the problem, it still hurts, you know? There's still pain in that. And so a lot of my clients will, will say, like, I thought this was just going to totally go away. I thought it was like the body image stuff was the only source of pain. And once I unlearned it all, it would just go away. But actually, it, it's often it less, we'll say less intense or less frequent because it's something you can actually really understand and see, but it is still painful because now you're just dealing with, I don't know what to do about the fact that I am trying to make friends and I'm finding it really difficult. I'm learning the skills of facing my fears and showing up authentically, but it's hard and I'm lonely and I worry, you know, that people don't like me and I'm not sure I'm ever going to meet someone and, you know, whatever it is. I'm living out of alignment with something that feels really important to me. Those are the sources of pain that are sort of underneath everything. When you peel back that top layer, you're really just exposing them. You're not healing them. The next thing you do after exposing them is you go about figuring out whatever it is you need. Some can totally be healed. Some cannot. Some are just... (laughs) The part of the human experience of being uncomfortable, like feeling big feelings can be really, really scary. If somebody does not feel safe feeling them, then we might peel back all these layers of body stuff, body and control, and then they might discover, oh, shit, I don't feel safe feeling my feelings. That does not automatically make them feel better, right? Now they have a big, long road ahead of them of learning how to tolerate and process and work with the big, scary feelings that they feel and learn to feel safe holding them. So they're never going to just not feel their feelings. You know, you don't get to just like erase the thing. 
It's that you begin the process of handling whatever it is that's down there that can be handled. That means learning to feel safe, tolerating your feelings. Awesome. Because there's always going to be discomfort in life. There's always going to be things that hurt in life. If you've been running away from that hurt, then you got to learn how to sit in it and tolerate it. And if there is a hurt that needs to be dealt with, such as, you know, somebody who realizes, oh, wow, my marriage is the source of my unhappiness. I don't want to be married to this person anymore. And I've known that for a long time, but I haven't let myself see it because of logistics and all these things. So maybe they let themselves see that. And all of a sudden, body image stuff is kind of just not as important because they're really dealing with a thing that was deeply painful. And now they get to move forward on that path, which can be hard and really uncomfortable. But at least it's true, right? It's the thing that hurt. It's the thing that was bubbling up and needed to be given a container to help you cope or to help protect you or to help distract you or whatever through any number of body image thoughts and feelings and behaviors. Because that's the thing. Body image issues can help us cope. You know, they're really clever. They can keep us distracted from stuff that hurt for the rest of our lives if we want them to. Um, There's really no end point if you don't do this work. It's not going to just stop. You're never going to get to a place where you think your body is good enough. You haven't dealt with the underlying force of what hurts. So, um, yeah, I guess that's all I wanted to say about that today. I think this makes sense. Sometimes I wonder as I'm sort of rambling through these thoughts, uh, what you all think about it and, and how this kind of comes across. Because I know I've said this before, but I, I don't do any prep work. Like I'm not working from notes the way I do for my YouTube videos, for example. I am just working through my thoughts in real time with you. So I hope that it is of use. I would love to hear from you. You can find me on um, Instagram if you want to leave me a DM with your thoughts. Uh, you can leave me a review on Spotify or Apple would be great. Um, but yeah, you can find me on my website, jessineelan.com. Leave me a, a message through my contact form. I would just love to hear what you're thinking as you listen to this, because, um, I really enjoy making it, but I, I also just feel a little bit like I'm kind of talking into the void at times. So, um, I'd love to hear from you and if they are helpful. Um, you can find my Patreon on Instagram. And if you want to support me there for the free content, um, being useful or, you know, sort of as a, as a thank you in any way, that's also totally welcome. All right. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next time.